Hey, hey everyone. My name is Agnes Chen and this is a Rise Resilient podcast where we gather and connect so that all can rise resilient. I'm super excited to share this episode, which was actually recorded a few months ago. My apologies as we took a bit of a pause, but I'm excited to share this episode where I chat with Courtney Russell, who is a born and raised Calgarian here in Alberta, Canada. And she is a community engagement coordinator for the Calgary Youth Justice Community Program run through the Calgary Youth Justice Society. So the, the Youth Justice Committee is an alternative to the court system for young people aged 12 to 18 who are facing a minor charge. They are 100% community volunteer run where the volunteers work with young people as well as their families, the victims, the legal system and the community as a whole to help young people move through and past a minor offense by holding them accountable without holding them back. With support, young people from all walks of life, as Courtney shares with us, turn their mistakes into opportunities to grow and give back to their communities. Thank you, Courtney, for sharing the heartbeat behind this organization and all that you and the volunteers and the organizers do for our community. Hello. Hi, Agnes. Oh, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm super excited that we were able to make this work and that you were open to having a conversation about the work that you do. Oh, no, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for reaching out. Um, I think it's it kind of shows how how awesome social media can be by connecting people that you wouldn't have found other words. So, so yeah, I'm super excited. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely it for all that uh, I can complain about social media it definitely has built new connections, especially during this time with COVID. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the work that you guys do. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today on a Monday morning to talk about the Calgary Youth Justice Committee, which you are the community engagement coordinator for. Yeah, so um, I started this position actually in February of last year, and I was only in the office for about two weeks uh, before quarantine came into play, and uh, we all had to start working from home. And so it was kind of, um, it was a interesting time to become a community engagement coordinator when I wasn't even able to go out into the community. We've totally made it work and and things have been going awesome, which um, we're super thankful for because the work that we do. So the Calgary Youth Justice Society is um, the company that uh, we run the program through. And so the Calgary Youth Justice Society, this is actually our 25th year anniversary, which is super great. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And so it's a super exciting year for us. The Calgary Youth Justice Society runs three different programs. So uh, we run in the lead, in the lead 180, and then, of course, the Youth Justice Committee program. So just for today, I'm just going to be speaking about the Youth Justice Committee program because that's the um, that's kind of my wheelhouse so I can speak to it. And that's kind of where all of my passion and work goes into. And so mm-hmm. and say, can you talk briefly just about what the society itself, the overall arching umbrella 
the work that the society does before we dive into the work that you do with the Youth Justice Committee? Yeah, so the Calgary Youth Justice Society, overall, we really help young people find their way through uh, different challenging life circumstances, sometimes poor choices that they may make um, that can hold them back from reaching their full potential. So we really support youth where they are. Um, It can be, we work with youth from really all walks of life. That's kind of one thing that comes up is uh, we make it very clear to our volunteers, to people we speak to in the community, that there's no stereotype of youth that we work with and that can be vulnerable. Um, It really is a broad spectrum and we just meet youth where they are and support them there. So the three kind of pillars that we use uh, through the society are a strengths-based approach that's super important to us, as well as positive connections with caring adults and then positive connections with their community. So uh, we just find that kind of those three pillars under the society really um, help support and kind of help the youth along the way to to kind of get on a better path and find supports and find those really positive connections with caring adults in their community. Who are these youth and how do they find you through the Youth Justice Society? Totally. So um, I'll just kind of jump quickly into, I guess, the Youth Justice Committee program, because that will Mm -hmm. touch on it a bit more. It might make it a little more clear and make sense. So the Youth Justice Committee program is a community-based alternative to court. So it gives youth a second chance really on just a bad decision. And so we have youth come to our program. So they are referred to us either uh, through the Calgary Police Service or uh, the court system. And so if youth have committed, say, a first or second time minor nonviolent chargeable offense, um, instead of just kind of taking this youth and saying they made one bad choice, we're going to bring them into custody, they can have an opportunity to come to the Youth Justice Committee program, be referred to us, and worked with volunteers in the community basically to work off those charges so that in the end, if they're successful, they will not have a uh, youth record. Um, We work with youth from ages 12 up to 17. So 12 to 17 is the age range that youth can be charged under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. And so that's kind of the That's the range of youth that we work with, but within Calgary, we work really, we see youth from every community, different groups, different areas, different backgrounds, different, some new uh, newcomer youth who have just moved to Canada, some who have lived here their whole life. They live in, say, wealthy communities. They've been given every opportunity, whereas we see the youth who um, may just be coming to Canada. They don't know really how the justice system works here. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of, uh, you know, something that would be taken to the criminal justice system that's a nonviolent crime that a youth might commit, just to get kind of a bit of a sense of what this looks like? So I think I love the mission and everything that the Youth Justice Committee does, but I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand what would a 12-year-old do that would warrant, you know, a criminal record? Yeah, because I think a lot of times when uh, we speak to people and say that, yes, we do work with youth starting at 12, people are kind of taken aback and say a 12-year-old can mm-hmm. be charged or like things like mm-hmm. that, where when you think in your head, oh, well, somebody's 12, you think, oh, they're so young and say innocent just kind of that that mm-hmm. innocent uh, role around that. But um, we do see uh, youth 12 years old who could possibly be charged with um, theft under 5,000, mischief, uh, possession of a weapon, possession of uh, drugs or substance, things like that. 
Although we see youth who uh, could be charged with those certain offenses, so say uh, theft under 5,000, all of the background information, circumstances leading up to it, um, what actually happened in the moment, it's really different for every youth. And so like, for instance, a really popular one pre-COVID was a lot of youth would uh, steal from uh, specifically Simon's downtown, I think mm -hmm. because it's kind of on the train line and um, it's on the corner. So I think a lot of youth think easy access, get in mm -hmm. and get out. So kind of things like that, where if we have a 12 year old who this is kind of their first uh, encounter with the law and they've stolen, say, a sweater or just something from a retail store, a cell phone, something like that. Throwing them into custody is not really going to, I don't believe is the best option, uh, just based on we need to work with them and teach them how to make better choices and how to be engaged in their community. Because every single youth that we work with, uh, youth, adults, anybody, they all have strengths and sometimes they just don't know about them yet. And so if you just throw them in custody and throw away the key when they're, say, 12 years old, that's not really going to benefit anybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how you focus on strengths. And I know even on your website, it, there's, uh, you know, it always kind of brings you back to focusing on a person's potential and their strength. And one of your one of your logos that's kind of around, and I love it, is strong, not wrong. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I wonder if you can even speak to that that idea because that's such a bold statement. Um, yeah, when we're talking about youth, about how they're strong, not wrong. Totally. So. Kind of the way that we look at it is where others might see deficits and risk with youth, we see strengths and possibilities. So every single person, including the youth that we work with, have natural gifts and incredible abilities, whether they see it or not. And we just kind of feel that sometimes they might need extra support um, and extra, just kind of that little push to notice and be able to use those to their advantage. My executive director, her name is Denise Blair. She is absolutely amazing. Um, she has been here since day one with the society. So this is also her uh, 25th year anniversary, mm, wow. which like is very, yeah, it's very exciting. She's so, she's just such an amazing person. I love listening to her speak and sharing the same passion with people I find makes the work that we do is so much easier and it doesn't even feel like work because it's just our passion and this is what we live to do. And so mm -hmm. she talks about a quote, she always says, water what you want to grow. And mm -hmm. so to me, that kind of always stuck with the strong, not wrong. And it's, it's kind of funny because I have a tattoo of a girl who there's flowers coming out of her hair and she's watering them. And so that totally speaks to me because that's kind of what I always say is you water what you want to grow. And so to be able to also play that into the work that we do and these youth that we work with, I just think it's a really awesome kind of comparison and it's a real life thought. It's just putting it into play. Oh my goodness. Courtney, I just want to say water what you want to grow. I love that. And I don't know if you saw what I posted on Instagram recently, but it is it literally, I always say love grows love, like the love yeah. we put into it grows that love back out into the world. And oh my goodness. Yeah. Water what we want to grow. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. totally. And like, mm. and I just think as well, like along with the strong, not wrong, 
Uh, I don't believe that anybody has weaknesses. I just think that sometimes people might use their strengths too much in certain circumstances, situations, things like that. And so I think that's, um, that kind of goes along with that strong, not wrong, just by my opinion is that I don't believe people have weaknesses. It's just sometimes Mm. strengths may be used too much where it um, can kind of overtake that. But I kind of, I was going through our agenda and kind of making notes in that for, um, each topic we were going to talk about it. And that's one thing is that I, I always come back to the same kind of overview and statement that some of the most amazing youth that I have met and had conversation with and got to know are the ones that are involved in the justice system. And so I think that, I think a lot of times they've just been told so many times what they what is seen as their weaknesses and what they're not doing good enough and it's always just kind of that negative perspective um and so I think that a lot of times if we can like what we do with the youth justice committee program is we really try to spin that into a trauma-informed practice but as well strengths-based and be able to say okay well instead of focusing on what the negatives are that people have been telling you that you need to change and what you need to do better Let's just figure out how we can use those positively to help them grow and help them move forward and make better decisions and choices. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just love all of that. And, you know, I love how you said something that we often as a society view as a weakness is actually a strength that is being overused. And this idea of, you know, how we adapt when we're in environments that might be a little bit more chaotic. And so we overcompensate in certain Mm -hmm. areas. And I love how you say that, that that is a strength and it can, it can be, it could be fostered to use, be used differently. And, uh, and, and just how you really focus on that potential and, and, you know, can you share a story of a youth who has been positively impacted by your program? This took me a while to kind of try and pick what uh, story I wanted to share, because (laughs) truly, I think that every youth that we work with, their story is just as important as the next. Um, Mm. And they all have such amazing outcomes. And it's, it's, it's really crazy to see how much these youth grow within the 12 weeks that we work with them. A lot of times when we meet with them for kind of, we call it the closing panel, just to make sure that um, they've completed uh, the program, what was expected of them, and just kind of talking about how it's, how it's helped them, what they've been able to take from it, um, and how they plan to use that moving forward. They're, they're all so amazing, and they all have such great outcomes. Uh, One that kind of stuck with me that I thought would be really good to share is, um, there was a youth. This was a couple of years ago. So um, me personally, I didn't sit in on this panel, but the story is so touching. I just feel like I have to share it. So we had a youth who was referred to the Youth Justice Committee program because um, she was charged with theft under 5,000. And so typically when youth are referred to our program, um, because it's volunteer run, the youth meets with three volunteers. So we call it a panel. So the volunteers sit down with the youth. Um, We do encourage parents, guardians, any kind of responsible adult within that youth's life to attend just because we feel the more support that they have, the greater outcome there may be. And so this youth, she came without her parents. So she came by herself. And so 
um, when the volunteers were sitting down talking to her, just kind of going over what had happened, what led to this. So she actually stole books from a bookstore, but they were medical books um, because her dream was to go to med school. But the hard part here was that in her culture, she was expected to get married, um, provide grandchildren. It wasn't, she wasn't really on the path to be able to make those choices for herself. So when the volunteers were talking to her and kind of figuring out the whole picture, they asked if uh, she had faced any consequences at home. And so they sat down and listened to her describe uh, the really harsh punishment that she got from her mother and then again her father because of the culture and because she was kind of going against that. And so learning about the youth, learning about her story, and yes, she was charged with theft, so she needed to be held accountable. But we also looked at the other side of it, that she was trying to follow her passion of going to medical school. And so she couldn't afford these books, and she didn't have the means and resources to get them. And so she resorted to stealing them. So um, the committee as a whole, when the volunteers kind of discussed on their own what they think her, we call them sanctions. So we can give up to three sanctions. Um, So those are just like consequences. And so they decided that the last thing she needed was, say, another punishment, something to kind of have that negative cloud over her. And so um, because this was a couple years ago, the volunteer um, who worked on this panel said that he couldn't remember her exact uh, sanctions, but he knew that talking to her, they built a really Um, strong connection. And he said, upon hearing of her dream to be a doctor, um, and with strong encouragement that she could be anything she wanted to be in life, he wanted to help her be able to follow that dream um, moving forward, regardless of the other circumstances that she was dealing with at the time. So the volunteer actually, after the program, she he took her to the bookstore that she was banned from from stealing. And uh, they came up with a list of all of the books that she needed. And the volunteer actually bought all those books for her that she needed to study to get into med school. Um, Amazing. We um this our this volunteer, he's been with us for countless years. I think he's in his 80s now. He's just absolutely amazing man. Um, so thoughtful, caring, just willing to do anything to help anybody. And so he's such a great volunteer in our program. And when he was asked if he knew where she was today, because typically, um, because we're working with youth, we are, our program is written into the Youth Criminal Justice Act. So there is that um, confidentiality, all of that. So we don't really follow up with the youth, but um, just because we're not able to, but for this specific volunteer and youth, she grew up and she just kind of uh, blossomed on her own. And then they got in touch afterwards. And when we had asked him this, he had said that she's now a sixth year honor student at uh, UFC Faculty of Medicine. And so this wow. was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So to where she is now, I, I mean, I'm sure she's she's a doctor out there somewhere, but it just really goes to show how a small mistake can really change a youth's life, but they can also use this opportunity of coming to the Youth Justice Committee program and turn it into a positive. And so um, create this really amazing positive relationship and and she ended up getting the help she needed. And a few questions I have based on, you know, everything you just said. So first of all, 
Um, in the very beginning, you talked about how the, you know, the program really connects people with adults, caring adults, connects them to their community. Can you talk about the program itself and what a youth yes. would typically go through in those 12 weeks and what support they would receive? Yeah, of course. Um, so like I said, uh, so the Youth Justice Committee program currently, so pre-COVID, we have 14 different Youth Justice Committees in Calgary. And so it's just based off of kind of the boundaries within the city. And so wherever that youth lived, they would just be designated to that to the committee that they that the boundaries are. And so they would meet um sometimes it would be at uh say like a local library, they could meet at a police station. Um, they would meet with the volunteers like in a safe, uh, confidential space. And so Section 18 of the Youth Criminal Justice Act, it provides an opportunity for community members to become directly involved in the administration of youth justice. So um, that being said, they're able to form the youth justice committees. Um, so they're essentially owned and operated by community volunteers. The society and the youth justice committee program is just kind of we kind of oversee all of it, but it's all run by community volunteers, which um, a lot of people don't know that this is going on in their own neighborhood. I and just so, want to, if, if you can just pause for a sec like that is, yeah. I find that remarkable that the work, the emotional investment that's involved in the work that the Community Justice Committee is doing and the implications it has on our society as a whole, that's the benefit yeah. to our society. And it is 100% volunteer based. Yeah. I think that is just unreal, beautiful thing. Sorry, you can continue. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally, yeah, no, that's awesome. Because I think, yeah, like, I mean, I connect with a lot of people being the community engagement coordinator, but at the end of the day, it's our volunteers working with the youth who are truly doing the groundwork. And so when we, when youth are referred to the program, um, we get their files. So um, it has police reports, different victim statements, if there's a victim in the situation, um, the youth statement, all of that. So it gets sent to um, our committees. And then we basically, pre-COVID, it would go to wherever uh, that youth lives, like their committee. But now because of COVID, we're running our program entirely online. So when COVID hit, we knew that we needed to do something and make this work because now so more than ever, these youth were going to really need those supports just as, as anybody does. But just sometimes the youth that we do work with are already in very vulnerable situations. Um, they are in need of resources. And so we just knew that we had to make something work to at least be able to provide them something. And so... Mm -hmm. Currently, right now, uh, when a youth is referred to us, um, we, like I said, the three volunteers, we meet with them through a secure Zoom uh, meeting. And so we basically sit down with them. The meeting, we call it um, an opening panel. It's usually about an hour. So we sit down with the youth. Um, like I said, we do invite uh, parents, guardians, um, responsible adults. So that could be siblings. Uh, cousins, people like that. So we sit down with the youth and, and we really try to dig deeper and understand them as a person, what led them to um, where they are now, what strengths they might see in themselves so that we can use that to their advantage throughout the program. We allow them a safe space and platform to speak for themselves with no judgment uh, which mm -hmm. I think is very important because a lot mm -hmm. of youth um, who may be in 
vulnerable situations. They may not have the best home life, school situations, things like that. A lot of times, one of the biggest things that they voice is they never feel heard. And so it's, I think it's really great that our volunteers are so passionate and non-judgmental and just sit there and truly listen to the youth. And it's just a platform for them to speak. Based off of the conversation and um, just kind of what what we feel might um, work best for the youth, we then uh, discuss as volunteers, um, we can give up to three sanctions. And so we have, we have a list really. So we have uh, kind of programming for every situation that we see. So we have um, self-reflection programs, we have leadership programs, theft prevention, substance use. We have a lot of right now online, like self-reflection documentaries and things like that, gratitude journals. And so we kind of decide as volunteers what we think will fit best for the youth because we want them to succeed. Um, We're never going to assign them a sanction that they may fail at because Mm -hmm. that's total opposite of what we're trying to do in the program. And so one of the youth that I sat on his panel a couple of weeks ago, it was him and his mom. And it was super sweet because we were talking about his sanctions and we had come up with two really good ones. So we thought that he would be a really great fit for our In the Lead 180 program, which is a leadership program. And then we also chose, um, he said that he voiced that he loved basketball. So we have, um, I believe it's an Alan Iverson uh, documentary. I believe he's a basketball player. And then Mm -hmm. they kind of do self-reflection questions on it and relate it to their own life. And then for the third one, we we discussed it as volunteers and with his mom, because you could tell that he had a really good relationship with his mother. And we said, so for your third sanction, you are going to do 10 hours, basically, of service for your mom. So you're going to help her around the house with siblings, small things like that. And uh, mom was very, very happy with that. That's and, amazing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we really like, like, like I say, we meet them where they are, but, mm. but we really try to find, um, sanctions that will benefit them and help them moving forward. So whether that's learning different life skills, uh, finding different resources, building better relationships with those in the community, their family, kind of all different aspects, that's that's kind of how the program basically runs and then what would happen to a youth um, in the program. And so we, like I said, we work with them for a maximum of 12 weeks. And so they basically have those 12 weeks to complete um, their sanctions. And so programming sometimes can run anywhere from like six to 10 weeks. So that would be like a weekly um, program that they would check into and complete. And so in the big picture, it's it's a small time frame, but like I said, it's incredible seeing how much these youth grow just within those couple weeks and just being able to hear them talk at the end. And a lot of times you can tell that they're proud of themselves that they've completed something and Mm -hmm. they've done it positively and they've had support. And one of the biggest things that a lot of youth voice at the end as well is that they're so thankful that people that don't know them are taking the time and all this effort to help them succeed when they don't even know them. And so I think that just really speaks as well to that key relationship aspect where having positive relationships, we know that 
they're beneficial and that they work. I know you shared some of your kind of your journey to get to um, the Calgary's Justice Committee. You know, why do you do what you do? You know, what brought you to this? And, you know, you I can hear in your voice, you just have so much passion for everything that you bring to this committee. Um, Yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah. So great question. So growing up when I was in elementary, middle school, high school, um, I never really found my thing, my passion, what I was all in for. And so I kind of always felt like I had great groups of friends. I have, I'm so fortunate to have truly the best family, the most caring parents, brother. I'm really lucky in that sense. But growing up, I just always kind of felt like there was something missing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I graduated high school and I was kind of lost. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I knew I had to figure something out. And when I finished high school, before I went to take uh, youth justice, I was a nanny. And so I knew that working with uh, children or youth, that was kind of what I wanted to do. And then I applied to Mount Royal for uh, the criminology program. And then I also applied to Bow Valley College for um, the youth justice program. And so I did not get into Mount Royal, which was a blessing in disguise. And I got into Bow Valley. And so I finished school there with a youth justice diploma. And during that time, I grew so much as a person and learned so much about myself. I had a one specific teacher. Her name is Marilyn Jarowski. Um, she still is a teacher at Bow Valley. And she is one of the most amazing, passionate, kind, patient people I've ever met. Um, so she's a big part of where I am now. Um, when I was taking courses I just knew it was my passion. This was going to be my thing. And this is what I was going to do. I didn't quite know what path I was going to go down with it. And then we did a tour one day of the Calgary Young Offender Center. And when I was in there doing the tour, I was like, it was really eye-opening because I had heard Marilyn speak so much about stories and just different things that she experienced when she did work there. Um, as a correctional service worker. And I just found it so interesting and intriguing. And so after the tour, um, I had spoke to her and then one of the program coordinators at the Calgary Young Offender Center. um, And I had asked to volunteer there because I was, I knew I was still kind of on my journey of trying to figure out really what it was that I wanted to do. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to, if anything comes out of it, I'm just going to learn and I'm just going to take this as a growth experience. And so I got accepted into volunteering there and I would say it really changed me as a person. The youth that I volunteered with, um, I met with him every week. He loved playing cards. So we usually just played cards for an hour and we just talked and um, it really opened my eyes in a really positive way, I think. But the youth that are in the system are so stereotyped and people see them in such a negative light. And that's a lot of times that's not who they are. They're not given the opportunity to be heard and be seen. And to me, I do find it a bit unfair. And of course, 
these things that they need to be held accountable for. I fully understand that. But like I said before, honestly, some of the most amazing youth I've met have been in the Calgary Young Offender Center. And I really believe in trauma-informed practice. And I took trauma-informed training online when I was working there as well. But I found it really difficult because I wanted to help these youth so much more than I was able to. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it was really tough. I, I loved the job and I, and I loved the youth that I was able to meet and work with there. But um, I think just, I know in the email exchange, we chatted, I just think to have that insight, if we could have a definition of what being trauma informed is just knowing in yourself, your limitations, as well as, you know, how, how certain experiences are impacting you is, is inspiring because you, you did listen to yourself and, you know, and and went on and are now in a space that you, you said is just, you know, where you want to be. So how can we support you, whether that is volunteer wise, financially? I mean, I can only imagine that it really takes an army to keep this going. So how can we support you? Yeah, no, and and thank you for uh, bringing that up. That's really, um, I appreciate that. So we um, just recently, we have launched a new uh, Instagram page. And so it's Calgary Justice Committees on Instagram. So there we just kind of post, um, we're posting about our program. Um, We give different background information of um, different parts of our program. We tell youth stories. Um, things like that. We also have our uh, Facebook page, which is the Calgary Justice Society. And then as well, we also just redid our website. So um, calgaryjusticesociety.ca, we have all of our programs on there. Um, You can donate, you can apply to be a volunteer, you can contact us. Um, Part of my role and uh, what I will be doing is just going out into the community, connecting with uh, truly anybody, because this legal education um, about the Youth Criminal Justice Act, where the Youth Justice Committee program fits in, and the work that we do within the community, I feel and know that it is valuable to every single person out there. It's not just for one group. And so anybody, if you think staff, if you think youth programs, anything like that would benefit from learning about the program and and how it works. And if you have a youth, if you're working with a youth or anything like that, that may be involved in things like this, how you can properly um, and positively support them. Yeah, I think the website is a really awesome uh, kind of starting point for people too, if they do want to learn more and learn more or get involved. Um, like I said, this is my passion. I I feel like I work 24-7, but it doesn't seem like work to me because I just, I, I absolutely love what I do. And so I am more than happy to have these conversations with anybody who wants to listen, really. <laughs> amazing. Oh, amazing. I'm just so grateful for your time. And yeah, I, I hear your passion. I'm just grateful for that because, you know, you touched on it. We you know, stories, um, we can, we can read and learn about all this in a textbook and look at the stats, but it's really those stories and what we bring to the stories of another individual in front of us. And I just, I appreciate you sharing all of that with us today. And it's just so inspiring. Of course. I know one of the questions in the agenda was why do I believe that we should all care about youth involved in the justice system? And, and that was one that kind of stood out to me because Um, I think, you know, how there's that saying of, oh, well, you can't choose your family. 
And I think a lot of times that um, these youth that might be vulnerable and at risk and that we work with, they didn't choose that path. Um, they didn't choose to be maybe born into a family that has been in the system their whole life. Um, and so I think I think it's just really important as well to um, to realize and not judge that these youth didn't choose the life that they were born into and the cards that they were dealt. And so I just think meeting them where they are and just that whole piece of being non-judgmental is, um, is super important in my eyes, at least, um, just to kind of remember, because it's so easy and it's easy and quick and convenient to see something and just judge without really digging deep and looking further. And so Mm -hmm. I think that, I think always having that awareness of, we don't know the background story and we don't know what else they're going through. Um, I think that's, that's just important for kind of everybody to keep in the back of their mind sometimes when we are working with youth and just kind of hearing different stories and learning about what they have gone through. Amazing, Courtney. Well, honestly, I could just keep saying thank you because I really am grateful for your time and just for sharing all of it. I think this is such a hidden gem in the city that is doing incredible work and I can't wait to share this and keep, you know, continue to share the work that you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.